0: Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You Podcast. And on today's podcast, I am going to be talking to Debbie Brown. I met Debbie for the first time, sharing a car to go speak on a panel for Nicole Nicole Kane, right? Um, I think that's where we met. And what's so funny is that Joanna has been on the podcast and I think Joanna couldn't do my makeup that day because (laughs) she was doing yours. (laughs) Yes. And I saw you guys in the lobby like, Oh, she's like, this is why I couldn't do your makeup. So I'm like, Oh, you chose Debbie over me. (laughs) But I'm going to read your bio really quick, Debbie. And then we're going to get into the questions. I want people to know who you are. So Debbie Brown is a communicator on a mission to connect people with the world's inside and outside of themselves. She has spent more than a decade hosting radio and television shows from coast to coast, today through radio, TV, and podcasting, as well as workshops, speaking in her company, Karma Bliss. Debbie is connecting hungry young people with spiritualism that's relevant and beneficial to their lives. Debbie's most recently held position of music director and number one rated host for iHeartMedia's 93.7 The Beat, while also hosting entertainment segments for CBS television affiliate KHOU11. Debbie's career has taken her to New York City, where she hosted MTV's talk show Hip Hop POV, and helped launch Sirius XM Sway in the morning show. I didn't know that. Um, as co-host alongside hip hop and cultural legend Sway Calloway. Before that, Debbie was a host on the radio One Station 97.9 The Box, where her viral interview with Kanye West landed her on Good Morning America and the Today Show. Through her career, though her career has taken her across the country. Devi's heart will always be in her hometown of Los Angeles, California, where she started her career at 93.5 K Day, rising in the ranks from enthusiastic intern to music director and on air personality. Um, off the air, Devi is the founder of Karma Bliss, which we're going to talk about, a company dedicated to self discovery, author of the best selling book Crystal Bliss, as well as a Deepak Chopra certified instructor of primordial sound meditation. <laughs> Debbie, what it haven't so you weird done? Hearing your oh, bio loud. So, every yes, every time I read someone's bio, they're always like, wow, <laughs> that's me. I'm like, that's you. you. That's you. You've done you've done all of these incredible things. So when I met you, um, we instantly connected. We ended up going for drinks after our panel and just talking until they booted us out of the bar. So I couldn't wait to get you on. Um, And I tried to have you on earlier, but I was going through my first trimester sickness. And then you are now expecting congratulations. (laughs) So I was so glad when I saw that. I was like, oh, gosh, you'll know I'm not a horrible person because I kept flaking and I couldn't say Um, but I, I guess I want to start with, I think for the people who listen to this podcast, you started your career at K-Day and I remember listening to K-Day growing up in LA. It was one of my favorite stations. Um, you started out as an intern. Can you tell us, how you went about getting an internship in radio and what sort of attitude you had as an intern. God. Um, you know, and, and mind you, so not to like
1: super date myself, but this is like
0: <laughs> a long, long time ago. So
1: right. some of the things I'm gonna say are gonna sound so ancient. Um But that's okay. <laughs> to younger listeners, some things still apply. You know, I had um, so I was around Like it was like my freshman year of college um, and I went to Cal State Northridge and I had started working on this Internet talk show with a friend of mine named Tony Price. And we were kind of building a buzz because this was a time when I know like like everybody has beautiful ways to communicate and like share themselves and start their shows. But this is like when the dial up modem was like still the thing. So it was right. it was very rare to be like, I'm doing a show on the internet. You know, it was like super <laughs> weird.
0: <laughs> you were way ahead of your time,
1: right? So we started doing that show, which really gave me the confidence to pursue radio for real. So at the time, um, two of my favorite radio personalities were DJ and Romeo the Goodfellas and they were on 93.5 93- oh. K. And so I used to listen to them, you know, in between classes and, you know, just driving around. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to log on to my MySpace and see if they have a (laughs) MySpace page. (laughs) Okay. And so I sent them, um, I just sent them a message and and I was like, hi, you know. I go to Cal State Northridge, like I'm really interested in working in radio, like I would just love to help you in any capacity possible and learn, from wow. like, I'll get your coffee, like very cliche, right? I'll <laughs> run for coffee, um, you know, but but I would just love the opportunity. And luckily, they, they responded right back and they're like, yeah, come up tomorrow. And so I got up there and then my biggest goal with this internship was to work my ass off. Um, okay. So that they could, so I could stay around as long as possible. You know what I mean? Okay. Like,
0: right. myself
1: invaluable. So the second I walked in, you know, I didn't have a formal internship yet, but they were just like, well, we wanted to meet you, fill you out. And instantly I was like running to do everything. I ran to get them food. I was printing out questions for the guests they had coming on. I was organizing the studio. Like, I was like, I have got to earn my keep. Um,
0: right. And they were like. Were you getting paid? God, no. Were they paying you? <laughs>
1: God no. Um, okay. No, at that time I was in college and I was still working. Um, I had like, it was a crazy time in my life where I was like commuting four hours a day. I was going to wow. school. I had a side job. I was sleeping maybe four hours, and I did that for like a couple of years. Um, and they were just phenomenal. Like they, they were, they were true mentors and teachers. They wanted me to shine at every opportunity possible. But I think a big part of that was I recognized early on, you know, they don't owe me anything. Like when you are mentoring somebody, or like if you're mm-hmm. a mentee, you're not, it's not your right for someone else to help your dreams come true. Right. What you're there to do is to work hard so you get the opportunity to stay around and learn. But it's not like okay. I think a lot of like People who intern these days put a lot of pressure on the people they're interning for, like they should be recognizing them and giving them this fast paced ride to their dreams. And it's on you to make your dreams come true. But you're being allowed to be in the building right now. That's the Mm -hmm. real valuable thing. Wow. Um, So, you know, I kind of walked in with the mentality of how can I make their lives better? How can I make their show improve? And by nature of doing that, they gave
0: me just like phenomenal opportunities to grow my wings. Wow. So you went from intern. How did you make it all the way to like? music director and honor personality. So you come in, I'll do anything. What was the next step after that? Like they offer you a formal internship or a job? Like what did you do next? Yeah. So first I I was able to get like more of a formal internship. And
1: then I really just saw, you know, this is like kind of a unique setting because, you know, if you're familiar with Katie in L.A., at least, you know, many moons ago, um, it was a privately owned company. It had a little bit lower of a signal than some of the other stations. So there was a lot of opportunity to grow because it was such a grassroots kind of radio station. Right. So at that time, I really just... You know, I started trying to be around as much as possible um, after like working on their show, which was the night show for quite a while and helping them. You know, I, I went from like getting their coffee to then being an unofficial producer of their show. So I was coming up with segment ideas. I was booking guests. Okay. I remember one night I, I, I heard that LL Cool J was in town. Um, because he had like a health book out, you know, and right. so he was doing a book signing. I was like, oh, you guys, did you LL's here? Like, you should try to get him. And right. they were like, well, why don't you try to get him? I was like, uh. So <laughs> I remember I called every single Barnes & Noble in the city. And I was like, is LL Cool J coming to, you know, your thing? And I finally, you know, two hours into these phone calls, I finally found the right place. Okay. And I talked to the manager at Barnes and & Noble's and she was like, Um, You know, I was like, we'd love to promote your event. We'd love to tell everyone to go to Barnes & Noble. Can you please connect me with LL's manager? (laughs) Um, And then we ended up, you know, an hour later, LL came to the station and we got him on the show.
0: (laughs) I mean, but this is what I always am trying to tell people about being resilient. Like, number one, you came and you brought ideas. Number two, you figured out how to make it happen. And that is what people are looking for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what really, I think, took me to the next level with them because they saw that, you know, I was willing to outwork whoever was around me and I was mm-hmm. really like willing to put myself on the line and and even, you know, jump out and potentially fail. But if I didn't, wow, you know, so right. I, I would do a lot of stuff like that. So I became like their unofficial producer um, which then kind of had me in the building more Then I would just start coming in a few hours earlier before their show and mingling with the personalities um, that were on before them, talking to the program director, just trying to make myself available for everyone. Because also at that time, I was just looking to learn every facet. So I didn't necessarily in my mind say I'm working towards being on the radio. Um, I just knew I wanted to grow myself in that field. So through them, I also met an amazing label rep at the time named um, Big Paul, who worked for Motown Universal. I started okay. meeting all of these all of these, you know, heads at the label that would bring the artist in. And so I ended up picking up a second internship working at Universal and Interscope while I was doing my internship with the radio station, because I okay. was like, I just want to learn how all the sides work, how, you know, everything kind of goes together. Um, so from there, it was kind of like an accident, like one of the, and I know you're going to remember this name and you're going to be like, oh my God, blast from the past. <laughs> uh-huh. Remember You remember Theo
0: from- 19- Yes, Asian Theo. Yes, yes. Oh Theo used to, God. Theo's voice was banging. Oh my God, you Remember didn't... he was like
1: on Moesha. Like yes. he was like the biggest and, thing in and radio. everybody
0: would call and be like,
1: Theo, I love you. Theo, you're so fine. Yeah, and he'd be like, hey, baby girl, <laughs> you know, just keep striving. Like <laughs> he was amazing. Yes. And it was just like, it was just perfect Perfect, synchronistic timing of me coming into this radio radio station that was kind of, you know, didn't have as many resources as other stations. So they were looking to maximize the people they had. So Theo ended up he he did an overnight, um, a late night, you know, sexy show on the station. And then he also ended up becoming the program director. Okay. he, and, you know, he was one of my biggest heroes coming up, listening to the radio. Mm-hmm. And he just took interest in me. He saw me working really hard. And I remember, you know, he one day he came up to me. He was like, hey, Dev. He was like, I like your voice. I think you could be on the radio. I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you a gossip segment on my show. And I was like, what? wow, and I was wow, so scared. like so scared. And at <laughs> that time, he had a syndicated show. And so he was like, um. You know, we're going to call it the Dirt with Debbie Dev and every day you're going to have gossip. Now, I feel like I
0: remember this.
1: (laughs) Mind you, this is way, way before you got daily gossip especially in the urban world. Like this is when still you had to wait for magazines to come out to find out what happened in the last month. You know what I mean? So it's not like, like there were some like great, like reliable sites at the time, like a Boss Up, Mm -hmm. but Boss Up was still only updating their site every three days or so. Okay. Every day I was supposed to have new fresh tea. So (laughs) it was tough. (laughs) But from there, you know, he, um, I ended up growing in that. And then he said, you know, why don't you, why don't you quit your job And come here full time. He was like, I want you to start being a part of the morning show. And at that time, we syndicated um, Steve Harvey's morning show. Okay. So my real kind of start in radio came when I was hired to do the weather and traffic, the local weather and traffic for Steve Harvey's show. Oh, wow. So I would be that voice that comes on on the radio like, and today on the 210 freeway, lots (laughs) of heavy traffic. Right. can avoid the 10, you know, 75 degrees with a breeze. Like that was me. Okay. Um, And so that was kind of how I was able to get in the building full time. And from there, over the next uh, probably five years, I just kept working. You know, different people would either leave, get laid off, get let go. And the company, because, you know, they didn't have many resources, they were just like, who can fill this position? Who can fill? So before I knew it, it's like, you know, I'm 22. I'm a music director. I'm the promotions director. And I'm on air. And it was just I mean, it was invaluable experience at such a young age.
0: Wow. So that twenty two, you you get all this way. And I know we spoke and two times in your career you quit your job with nothing to fall back on. And one of those was you ended up quitting K Day. Yeah. Why did why did you quit and like and you didn't have a backup plan? No, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I had no
1: backup plan. I mean, I had I had been able to at that time, especially on like the underground hip hop scene in LA, build like a really good name for myself and build great reputations. Okay. Cuz of course, you know, I wasn't um I wasn't, you know, I was hustling. So I wasn't just working at K-Day. Like then I had also started this kind of like underground hip hop show called Zombie Radio again with my friend Tony. And we were, you know, we were just building great, great relationships um, with a lot of like the up and coming artists that later turned into, you know, your Kendrick Lamars, your um, your Miguel's, your J. Cole's, your, you know, just a okay. lot of people that were, that were around at the time. Um, so I felt like, I don't know. You know, it was really one of those step out on faith moments because we had gone through a lot of transition and it turned out that everyone I had started working with at the station had been let go. Like everyone except me, everyone, even the people that brought me in, you know, and it had changed kind of dramatically. Um, it was, it was a tougher place to work, you know, some of the joy left Mm -hmm. and it was also, you know, at that time, um, My friend and program director, Adrian Scott, like he had decided to shift gears and find a niche, which was turning the station into an old school station, which was in radio time, like revolutionary. Like now there's probably a throwback old school station in every major market. Right. It was the first of its kind. No one had ever done it. No one thought it would work. And it ended up completely like boosting K-Day and the Radiance, which was great for them. But for me, being in my early mid-20s, it was like, well, you know, I have all these... Connections and music, like I've been able to do these incredible interviews, and now I'm kind of relegated to just people that were popping in the '80s, which is dope. But not when you're, you know, not Not when you're you're 22. No, (laughs) you're like sorry. So at the time, I was like, oh god, like I, I just have to go. I have to go. I have to go. Um, And one day, God's voice honestly spoke to me like a boom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was sitting at my desk, and God said, "Get up." and leave. If right. you don't leave now, you never will. And I was like, oh, my God, So I ran <laughs> in my boss's office and I was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I can't give you two weeks notice. No, you um, didn't. <laughs> but I got to go. You know, <laughs> Right. <laughs> I have to spread my wings. I was super dramatic back then. Uh-huh. Um, and a friend of mine packed my desk for me, took my box to the car and I drove away and I had no idea what was going to happen. Oh, my God. And so for for a few months, it was like, you know, I was living in North Hollywood at the time for a few months. It was like, okay you're eating the bare minimum every day. You know, I was Uh really I had no savings in the bank, zero savings. But I did have a car that I owned outright and I had, you know, that I didn't have to make payments on. And I had my apartment paid up for a little bit. So I was like, okay I'm going to figure it out. And I started writing bios for artists. I started, um, you know, doing email blasts to to get extra income, I started. You know, whenever I got a chance to host a gig, you know, I was still getting opportunities to host concerts or red carpets. So that was kind of just how I was squeaking by, just barely. Okay. Um, and then, you know, another radio opportunity came, and I got the chance to get back in the game and and kind of grow grow my brand and grow my skills.
0: Yeah. And I know it. So before I had ever met you, I would always see you like on my social media with people that I knew and everybody being like, she's the best. There's no better person than Debbie. Everyone loves you. (laughs) So no, I would. Before I met you, I'm like, she must be a really nice person because everybody always had really nice things to say about you. But I know that your career took a bunch of different twists and turns. But something in our conversation that really stuck with me is that we talked about right now we're all so afraid to fall off or of like being irrelevant and especially in what you do you know it's like there there's the the social media influencers but like you know you in radio or tv it's all about being relevant and you told me that you took a sabbatical um something that most of us would be mortified to take what yeah. made, what made you decide to do that Okay, I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but yeah, it's okay. We
1: what we we have an hour, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, I, just, I have I have faith in what God has planned for me, and yep. I don't always know what that is, and I have faith in that unknowingness too. And That's I think amazing. for me and every day, um, my biggest goal with my life is to strive to be the best version of myself possible, whatever that means. Every day to give myself my best. And sometimes that best is going to fluctuate. But I know for certain I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. I'm a hardworking person. I know I'm showing up in the world as best I can. Mm-hmm. So I have all the faith that everything that's meant to come to me will. So right. I I kind of got to a place a few years ago. And a lot of this comes with just, I've had like a vast working experience of moving alone to different states and doing things the way everyone told me I needed to. And then mm. seeing that it wasn't always the right thing. Right. So I have such a strong, um, I just have a, I, I will not subscribe to the way society tells me I need to plan out my career, specifically as a woman. Wow. And, you know, when I started kind of looking objectively at everybody with their FOMO, everybody with this fear of missing out, everybody with this, you know, scared to be quote unquote irrelevant or to not be on the scene. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, everybody that's striving to do that in every second, what are they actually gaining Mm -hmm. Right, Like a lot of people are getting really burned out. A lot of people have not now found other avenues to make money or other avenues to grow themselves or to grow their brand. And so you're kind of at the mercy of, quote unquote, this false sense of relevance, you know. Mm. And so I felt like I'm good. I'm going to always be good. So I'm going to take some time to myself, you know, mm hmm. And I believe I believe in my talent. I believe in my relationships. And I believe that even if those didn't exist, I'm not afraid of rebuilding. And I never have been. So when I decided like last year, um, I was working for iHeartMedia at 93.7 The Beat, which is in Houston. Mm -hmm. And I was doing some some fun, cool TV stuff. And I was just ready to move back home. You know, I was yeah. ready to move back to LA. And I had been at that time, I had lived in Houston and I had lived in New York. And so I had been away from home for seven years. Mm. And I just felt like I'm ready. I learned a lot. Um, I met incredible people. I now have more skill sets than maybe some people who stayed in LA and didn't move away to, right. like, to hit in other markets. Um So I'm just ready to go back home. And part of making that decision was saying, I'm going to walk away from my radio show for right now. And if something else comes up, it does. But if it doesn't, I want to take at least a year of sabbatical to explore myself, to explore other things that I'm interested in, to learn new things, you know, and I think Especially with this kind of sometimes false sense of like be on the grind, hustle, 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 career, yes. career, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. You know, we forget that, especially if you work in entertainment or kind of a creative industry, like other people do this all the time. Like yes. professors, they get every seven years, they take a year off, they go on sabbatical. Right, um, Lawyers, like different, different professions can say, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna step away for a little bit and I'll come back refreshed.
0: Yeah, I remember I left L.A. nine years ago, and I remember one of my friends uh, who's actually been on the podcast. She worked at People Magazine at the time, and I just left. I was working with Travis Barker, and there was that plane crash, and I was like, you know what, like. I'm gonna go. And I remember her visiting me and being like, So, what are you gonna do? Like, now that you kind right. of don't matter, you know? And I was like, The same thing that you're gonna do <laughs> when you don't, you don't matter. matter. Yeah, yeah. Like, the same thing that you're gonna do when you don't matter, because at some point in entertainment, we all stop mattering, you know, like there becomes a new crop of faces and, you know, especially as women, I think. Uh, And so I really felt like, you know, especially when you work with celebrities, it's like I spend so much time, you spend so much time promoting their albums, their books, their things. And I was like, what if I put the same effort into my own things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So clearly I'm doing a good job an amazing job hello thank you
1: you're like the reigning queen i i get <laughs> oh, no. so much life from watching your journey and from you know even just waking up and being able to see your tweets because <laughs> i look at your tweets so much that now like with the new algorithm on twitter oh you're the they- person that pops up
0: for me oh gosh <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm like yes oh that's so good Yes. Thank you. But you were like, you were on Twitter way, way back in the day. Um, but so you took the sabbatical before I want to start. I want to talk about your new book and I want to talk about crystals because, um, I definitely need some help in that area. But before we leave Houston, I just, I'm so fascinated by the fact, by the fact that your husband literally found you on the radio. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think because we all love a good love story. I'm just like, how sweet and fake sounding is this? He he loved your voice. Yeah, that's that's like (laughs) love, right? (laughs) Pre tender, pre being, you know, seeing someone's face be like, I just like her vibe and her voice. Yeah, it was like. It's so interesting because,
1: um, you know, so just super quick. God, like sometimes I feel like I've lived so many lives in one life (laughs) that it gets like so like every story I have to tell is so drawn out because it had so many like background pieces. That's all right. But I had moved. um, I had moved at first to Houston for a year and I was working for a radio one station. Mm -hmm. And um, in that year, my husband at the time lived in Houston. And so um, he heard me on the radio and he like he's a super, super super hip hop head.
0: Okay. His
1: his ideal day is debating music and like <laughs> listening to Nas's catalog. Like okay. that is his favorite thing in life. Okay. So he was like and at that time like I had like a lot of like different interviews that had gone kind of viral and a lot of stuff that had like kind of saturated the blogs in that space. Okay. Uh, so he was familiar with some of my work and um he heard me on the radio and he from what he says, you know, he felt really drawn to my voice. So he Googled me and then he saw my picture and then he felt drawn to me. And then he started following me on Twitter and he would just kind of like always pop in to interact with me. And I used to do this thing where on Twitter, I would just like, like tweet like pieces of lyrics from a really like obscure or like old song. And I'd be like, finish that, you know, and people would hit me back with whatever the next line was. And he would start hitting me back. And I was like, oh, look at this guy. Who's this? You know? (laughs) Um, And it turned out we had a few mutual friends. So he popped up at my birthday party and introduced himself and we went out a few weeks later. And then after that, we were inseparable and life moved super fast after that. Um, And actually, like three weeks after we met, I ended up moving to New York for work. Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: So we instantly just started trying to fly to each other every weekend after that. And yeah, we got engaged super fast, married super fast, um,
0: and then had a lot of growing up to do, too. Right. That happened. And now you guys are expecting your child, which is, which is awesome. Um, okay. So we, we've talked about this because we had like a pre-call and I tweeted about the fact that you were like, honest to God, I am just not a fan of entrepreneurship. <laughs> because now, <laughs> oh my God. now you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. so And (laughs) and people got and they were like a lot. But I'm telling you, because a lot of people, there were there were less people were offended and more people agreed with you. I think you said the thing that a lot of people are afraid to say, you know, it's like everybody's not on the path to be their own boss. And even some of us who are doing it don't love it. Yeah. And I think that like that's what's so important, because sometimes when things get on trend
1: or they feel really empowering, Mm -hmm. we think that there is only one side of it and we all have to subscribe to that side of it. Right. And Like the truth is, you know, we all have different priorities, different goals, different backgrounds. So things are going to feel different. And I think, you know, for me. I've always worked as talent, right? So Mm -hmm. on one hand, I've always been an entrepreneur, even when I've had a nine to five, because when you work as talent, you're always trying to hustle your next opportunity. You're always like trying to get like more side gigs and build your brand. So that is entrepreneurship as well. Mm -hmm. But I I like the structure of working for other people. (laughs) That's just me. Don't judge me. Like I Entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. Now I am an entrepreneur and I am building a business, and I have had some incredible successes in that business. But I do feel that I shine best when I'm working in more of a corporate structure. I'm an extrovert, you know right. i I like being around people. I like feeling energy of people. So for me, when I a hundred percent like came on this entrepreneurship journey and I took the break from radio, Um, I went from being in collaborative meetings and having fun and and cracking jokes all day and having like more of an excited team building, brainstorming energy Mm -hmm. to sitting alone for 10 hours at Starbucks. Yep. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's cool that I don't have a boss, Woo! but (laughs) I am like Feeling kind of tragic, you know? yes
0: yeah <laughs> like
1: I, I miss I miss that energy because when you're at the stage of maybe you're an entrepreneur, but you're not yet at the point where you're hiring more people, you're hiring yep. a team, you have an office, and that's a long journey to get there it is um, it's it's tough it It can be very isolating, it can be lonely it It does take a certain amount of growth to get used to the fact that everything is on you. Yeah, to get used to how to set up a schedule, mm-hmm. um, you know, and yeah, it's the it's a change. So it's not. I'm an entrepreneur, and luckily the ideas that I've had have worked. But I'm not the biggest fan of it, you know. Right, I'm not. I'm not jumping out the window saying, "Look at me! I'm so dope! I'm I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur!" Like. I'm like I miss people. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no. Listen, I I have not had a formal gig in in almost a decade and there was that point of time, you know, I only got an office about maybe f- five years ago, five little, you know, close to five years ago. And it's like, I didn't get dressed during the day. You know, when you have a job, you get up, you, you know, you get dressed and you, you present yourself and it's like, you stop presenting yourself so often. Um, it is very lonely and isolating. Everything's on you. So it's like, how do I do calls, do this, do that. And then you have all this freedom. You know, I found myself working like day in and day out. Like there was no, I, I wouldn't stop because it's like, well, if I'm home in the, computers open and people are contacting me, I may as well be working. Right. Um yeah, and striking yeah. that balance is really and crazy. And then, like that. you know, I, I opened be able an to office. Turn it and, off. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I miss once I opened my office, it's like I missed Like I remember the first um, employee that I hired to work in the office and I remember her coming in and being like oh my god Um, I think the radio here burnt in the morning or something she's like there's this lady who had this in her kid's backpack and it's like oh my god this is a dumb story but I missed this yeah I miss exactly. I miss someone coming in and telling me about the drama down the street or, you know, what they heard on the radio. And it's like, those are the things that we take for granted or someone to go to lunch with or talk to about or, you know, yeah. it, it gets difficult. Um, and then you get to a point where you get more and then you're like, there's a it's a fine line. Then you're like, you know, I think the hardest part about entrepreneurship, I've said this many times. And once there are tons of employees or even just a few is like. I know what my talents are. I can do my job well. But the second job, which is the first job that I have of managing employees, is the hardest. Yeah. You know, I don't like having to talk to people about doing their job right or wrong. You know, I don't. People request time off and it's like, why? (laughs) You know? (laughs) it's all these things that you, that I had to learn that, that was crazy. But, um, and you know, can I just say too, something Mm -hmm.
1: that, that irks me is this shaming Mm. of people with nine to fives that I see happening a lot now. Okay, And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Like it's one thing if you decide that you have an idea, you have a business that you want to create and you are an entrepreneur, but then to, for, you know, there's some people out there, they're throwing it at other people's Face, like they're somehow less than because mm-hmm. they have a nine to five or job security. First of all, the world could not <laughs> run the way it does if every single person became an entrepreneur. Right. Like it, it's just not possible, it's not feasible economically. Um, But also it's like, it's not everybody's dream to start their own business or to sell their wares or to have great ideas and build things out. That's not what everybody wants. You know, success for each of us is so different. And so I feel like be proud of yourself for pushing yourself and challenging yourself outside of your comfort zone on your entrepreneurial journey. But in no way does that make you better than, smarter than, or more worthy than someone that Works for somebody
0: else. Yeah. I think sometimes, like, I often wonder, was I ever that person? And sometimes, and like, maybe I was, or I came across like I was, but I think for me, it was like, I became an entrepreneur mostly out of necessity. You know, in the height of the recession, no one would hire me. And so I would go on these interviews, I'd show up, no one would hire me. And it's just this thing where it's like, you know what? F it. I'm about to just claw, like, I will make a way for myself. And I think. Along the way, I just always was like, you know, it taught me that if I couldn't get a job, I could make a living with my bare hands, you know? Yeah. And that was something that I was like, you know, that's fine. I think, you know, I was like angry, like, it's cool. You don't have to hire me. (laughs) (laughs) I got this. Don't worry. Um, But I'm glad because I don't, you know, and I think something else um, when I started a subscription service in the hair care industry all of the clients that we have are nine to five businesses. So I am by default a <laughs> nine to five, you know, it's like I work and, and I was so happy. Like when I stopped working with celebrities who call you all night and all this kind of, you know, late right. night parties, like my, no one wants to talk to me before eight o'clock and nobody wants to talk to me after five. And I'm like, I love this. I can go to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You know, I'm like, thank you. You know, if I choose to work late, um, I can, but I don't have to. The magic of being your own boss means you get to negotiate with yourself on what steps you need to take to grow your business. The next time you're having this internal debate, remember that spending more time delighting your customers is one of the most powerful things you can do to move your business to the next level. The good news is our friends at FreshBooks can help you spend way less time on your admin and paperwork so you can spend more time giving your customers more love. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software for self-employed professionals that's ridiculously easy to use. It's so fast and easy, it can save you up to 192 hours per year on all that tedious paperwork and the tasks like sending invoices, calculating expenses, and tracking your time. Oh, and if you're doing the math, one hundred ninety-two hours works out to twenty-four days. Imagine how much more joy you could bring to your customers with all that extra time. For your 30-day unrestricted free trial, I want you to go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you in the how did you hear about a section? I wanna talk about I wanna talk about crystal bliss and I wanna talk about crystals because crystals are kind of like the thing right now I feel like I always am seeing people they're wearing them they're talking about them I saw Nicole just got like her her Himalayan salt lamp um and it's like I think I'm I'm still on the outside because I don't fully get it yet um yeah but tell me sort of how you got into crystals and like you have a book now. I don't even know how I'm supposed to use the crystals. Do I wear them? (laughs) I want to get some now and I have your book, but I'm just like, help me. No. So you know what? Um, Oh gosh.
1: Okay. So another like kind of convoluted story coming. Um, It's all right. So like, as like, as like a young working woman in, in media who was like the queen of super grind, like the queen of like team, no sleep. Like I used to wear stress, like a badge of honor where it's like, I I was so proud of how hard I was working, how many hours I was working, you know? And so I'd be like, yeah, I, you know, I haven't slept in three days. I did an 18 hour day today. Woo. Like I was that person that was like that, you know, now looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, come on. Like I had no, I, I, I lived, I breathed. I, I, Slept, I dreamed everything that was my career. Right. Um, and I started to get really stressed out. I started to get really stressed out in my career, in my transition. You know, I'd moved across three states for work in three years. Um I had you know, recently got married. like I had a lot, a lot, a lot of stress, which turned in to shingles, which no. I don't know y'all have seen like the the commercials for it, but like shingles typically, 99% of the time affects um, elderly people. You know, it, it comes from the chicken pock virus. It lays dormant in your system. Everybody has it, but it doesn't show its face until you're like 70s, 80s, 90s. Right. So I was in like my 20s and all of a sudden I got this immense pain. Um, shingles wow. is incredibly, incredibly painful. It is affects it. your nerves. There's no medication you can take for it. There's nothing you can do except wait it out. Um, And so when I went to the doctor, she told me this is 100% response, like your body's response to stress. Wow. And I was like, okay, something has got to change because clearly my body is pissed and it's starting to shut down and I have to change my life. Um, So that kind of thought led me to. Really realizing out loud that I needed to invite more peace into my life. I needed to get to the deeper realms of who Debbie was um, with or without a title, with or without, quote unquote, you know, relationships and relevance and all these things. Like I had to find ways to feel more joy in my day to day life and to feel more peace. Um, and that led me to going on a meditation retreat, Okay, which changed every single thing about my life. Um, Learning to meditate changed everything. And after that, it became, you know, I kind of developed a spiritual practice, a daily practice. um, And for the next several years, that was kind of my life. Now, part of what you kind of discover on that journey, especially if you're you're going into a journey of like the metaphysical space, energy modalities, like crystals are all around everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So I started kind of like... Really being drawn to them and wanting to know more about them and using them, and everybody kind of in those spaces was doing the same thing. So I became an avid crystal user, and I I very much felt a real energy um, associated with working with them. Big shifts happening. Okay. So, While well, I was still doing radio, and you know, I would use my vacation time to go on more retreats, and eventually, I started studying. Um, how to become an instructor myself. And I went through like this year long training program um, and intensive to teach Deepak Chopra's brand of meditation, which is primordial sound meditation.
0: Okay.
1: Um, And I started noticing that I was getting like constant, constant questions and just intrigue, not just from the people in my life, from friends, but from my listeners, they'd call the request line and ask me questions Um, in my DMs. Like I was just constantly getting, you know, when when you're kind of cultivating a light within yourself, like people mm-hmm. are drawn to it. Yeah. Because you're you're giving them permission to access their own. Yes. So I thought, you know, I really want to create like a space where I can share some of the things that I'm learning, which led me to launch my website, Karma Bliss, which really kind of pushed my entrepreneur journey. Um, out there. Okay. And through Karma Bliss, like we have like a bunch of different content on meditation and crystals and all those things. And we started carrying, um, we we opened up like our, our e-commerce store on there, and we started carrying crystals and journals and meditation chairs and a bunch of different things. Um so when we launched the website, I was doing like a bunch of interviews about it. I was doing a lot of like meditation pop-ups where I was like leading people in meditation and I ended up getting this great opportunity to get a book deal um, to write Crystal Bliss because they, you know, the, the publishers felt like we really like your voice in this space. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, there's not really, and I love Crystal Books and I probably have them all, um, but they're not always, well, they're never written by women of color, really. Um, and a lot of the books were, were a lot older, a lot more focused on geology, a little bit more juju, which can be kind of like off-putting for some people. Right. And so my big goal was, how do I like demystify meditation? How do I demystify crystal use? And some of the things that might seem a little bit weird um, to our communities, how do I make it more tangible for people to use? So when I wrote Crystal Bliss, it was all about getting people real information about crystals, geological information, energetic, metaphysical information, fun facts, um, history, and then also just like really easy to find uses. Like what are things that we think about constantly? We constantly think about what is my purpose, my career? I want love or I want more self-love or, you know, we think about, um, you know, how, how can I de-stress? How can I have greater mental health, more physical vitality? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these core things. And so I broke down the book based on that. Um, so when it comes to crystals, to answer your question, like, girl, like, Everyone's biggest question is, how do I make it work? (laughs) (laughs) Right, do something. Okay, what do do I do with it? How do I make it work? And it's like, I have to stress to people, like working with crystals does not make you a witch um, because some people think that. Uh, It's not the wizarding world of Harry Potter. So you're not standing with your crystals saying abracadabra. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you know, you're creating this like massive change and turning people into things. Um, (laughs) You know, there's a lot of like deeper uses for crystals, which I talk about in my book. Like, you know, you can absolutely set intentions on your crystals and clear your crystals, do crystal grids, do crystal healing with your chakras. But on a basic fundamental level for a beginner It's just find some crystals and keep them with you. You know, do your research on kind of what their energy entails and just keep them on you. Keep them in your purse, keep them in your pockets. A great place to just start to like subtly use crystal energy in your life is to put them on your bedside table because you spend probably the most time being stationary when you're in your bed. So you're able to soak in that energy or pop them up on your desk at work. Okay. Really just... Meditate with them, subtly notice their energy. You can wear, you know, different pieces as jewelry. Now that, you know, crystals have become so on trend in this last year, mm-hmm. you can really find them absolutely anywhere. And you can find so many different jewelry pieces um, that are like very reasonably priced that have crystals in them.
0: Okay. And so I, I ask you this, if there were like, is there like a five crystals starter set? Like... If I was going to start today, which maybe three would you tell me to get? Yes. Um. So, OK,
1: one of the chapters in my book is all about like that starter pack. I highly recommend mm-hmm. for people to start with crystals um, like citrine, okay. which is known as like the stone of success. I feel like it's a stone that's like really strongly connected to destiny and purpose and leading you towards things that are truly meant for you. Um, Clear quartz, because it's a great purifying stone, really good for like clarity and focus and green aventurine, which is known as the stone of luck. Um, It's a really kind of good stone for adventure. I use it a lot to find like parking spots. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God. I can't find anywhere to park. (laughs) Okay. I would also say um, black tourmaline is one of my favorite stones that I kept with me a lot. Um, especially when I was first getting started, because I call it kind of like the anti-hater stone. Okay, It's really good for protecting you and protecting you not just from negativity, but from like people who are maybe like plotting, who don't wish you well. Um, It it protects you from a lot of like jealousy and negativity. Okay. Um, Let me see. I think... I would also say like amethyst would be a really great stone to start with. It's one of the most abundant. It's the purple one. Okay. Um, you can find it almost anywhere. Okay. And that's a really great stone for just kind of like building your sacred connection um, to a higher power and and really kind of like breaking
0: through. Addictive behaviors, addictive thoughts, um, things that are not serving to you. Wow. You know, what's crazy is I've been wearing this. I have this necklace that I bought uh, that I wear. It's like this three triangles and the the stone inside is citrine. And I just didn't know until you told me. I'm like, wow, I've been wearing this for like three or four years straight. So it's like citrine, diamond and gold. Um, and I've been wearing it around my neck. Forever. Yeah. So I'm like, let me find out. I'm already ahead of the game. Yes, you're already getting all that energy. Look at all like you've been yeah, accomplishing. Yeah, it's crazy. And I never take it. I've never been able to like keep jewelry on and I wear it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I never take it off. It doesn't even feel like I have it on anymore. And I was just like, wow, I saw it. I loved it. And I never even looked up like, but the stone, I'm like, oh, that's cute. Um, And that's pretty much been it. But now like you're, you have stones in Nordstrom. I, I was yeah. like, how oh did God. that happen?
1: Oh, Lord. Um, it was such, it was so amazing. Um, so I'm a big, I'm a huge, huge fan of Nordstrom. Same. I always have been, especially when I was in college, because they had that great return yep. policy and I was broke. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I love, like, I'm always in Nordstrom to find things for myself and, um, to get gifts and they have a really great online shop. Um so I thought it was really I say all that to say I thought it was so cool to have like my first retail partnership with a brand I'm a big fan of. Um so Nordstrom is like they've created this Well Beauty campaign that they just rolled out in the last week and it's going to be in their beauty departments but it's really kind of harnessing on to the mindfulness space and and things that people are really interested in in that world and crystals happen oh, wow. to be one of them. And so our SEO was kind of pop in for the website. And so they found us um, and they contacted me and said, you know, we think that like your crystal bliss bags, the products you're offering would be perfect for Nordstroms. Wow. You know, um, send us some. We'd love to talk more about it. And after some kind of, you know, back and forth and more conversations. It turned out that they decided they wanted to carry 3 of our bliss bags. Now, the bliss bags we have on our website um are different bags that harness different um energies. So each bag contains 5 stones and these stones like work in kind of like synergistic harmony with each other to bring you added energy for those particular areas you're looking to enhance. So we have our Dharma bag, which uh, means purpose in Sanskrit. And so I kind of call it our career bag. We have our love bag and we have our physical vitality bag. And so those are the three bags they've picked up. And as of last week, they are available in
0: 40 Nordstrom retailers. Wow. Congratulations. And that's so amazing. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that was tough. Like little miss entrepreneur crash course. And and I bet you like Nordstrom, it's not like you started off in like a little (laughs) boutique in Berkeley. (laughs) Like you you, you went straight to Nordstrom. No, and that and that's what I mean by this entrepreneur
1: stuff, right? right like right. Like I'm I'm doing it. I'm entrenched in it. I'm committed to it. But it is difficult. Yeah. I didn't know anything about the retail space. Nothing. You know, mm-hmm. I I've made my living my whole life of talking. Right. So I didn't know how to really operate in that space, and I had to get everything turned around within like two weeks, because yeah. um, they were getting ready for like Christmas. Oh wow! So I was like, oh dear God. Right. Um. So you know you. <laughs> But I so let me preface this by saying I'm a big believer in always saying yes right. and then figuring it out later. Like you'll same. even if I don't know how to do something, I would never ever dream of turning down an opportunity because I don't know how to do it. I will always say yes, figure it out later and deliver. Yep. Um and same thing happened with the book, right? You know, because mm-hmm. I had like a two month deadline on the book and I was like, oh, okay. I've never written <laughs> A book before. Um but I got all it. right, yes. Let's give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I had a I had a big crash course in retail and understanding, you know, EDI and fulfillment and shipment and SKUs and invoicing and POs and all these different things. Um, but I figured it out and I'm still figuring it out and I'm I'm just really excited. Something I really thought too, because one of the days, to be quite honest with you, I was so stressed out trying to make this happen on such a tight deadline mm-hmm. that I was like going to have a breakdown. Like I was like, I was so stressed. I I was, I'm pregnant. So I was pregnant too. I was right. like crying a little. And I was just like, I just, I don't, I should just quit. Cause I don't know how I'm going to do this. Right. Um, and, you know, I felt like, I just felt like I have to do this. I can do this because I must do this. Mm-hmm. I should say like when you know that you like God brought you this opportunity. Like I can't, I can't throw it back in his face. Like how mm-hmm. perfect of an opportunity is this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even one I was seeking out, it landed in my lap. Clearly he wants me to have it and do it. I have got to figure this out. Um, So yeah, I just kind of, you know, you start researching, you force yourself through it and you do it, but it's tough.
0: Yeah. I, I get it, so um one thing that you and I have connected on um was how much we believe pregnancy sucks <laughs> 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 We, oh my god can, it's so
1: freeing to say
0: it out loud i know <laughs> we've talked we, it's the worst <laughs> we've <laughs> talked ad nauseum like you know about it was so crazy because before i had this interview with you today i had to run to the bank to wire some things and the girl says are you having twins and i'm just like what why why do people do this you know it's like what difference does it make if I'm let you know like you're basically saying that you think that I look big um oh my god you know and it's like I guess having twins because you were planning on babysitting though I don't know you <laughs> um
1: but, uh, so I, bizarre the yeah. people like the questions people ask you about your body when you're pregnant
0: yeah what would you say is your number has been like your number one pet peeve <laughs> all of it um <laughs> <laughs>
1: pet, number one pregnancy pet peeve yes uh okay so uh, and i don't want to now keep in mind anybody listening like before you get upset yes we are also pregnant. So this could also just be us <laughs> right. super in our feelings yes. and super hormonal, right? Yes. So maybe we're, we're coming on a bit strong and hard, right. but, you know, bear with us. We're, our bodies are changing in every second. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I feel like, it it really bothers me the amount of access people want to have to you mm-hmm. when they find out you're pregnant. And I know there is no malice behind it. None. I know for some people it is genuine excitement. Right. Um, but for other people, I think it's just you don't have anything else to say. Like you're just trying to be conversational.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I like I just whenever I have met a pregnant person ever, my friends and people I meet on the street, if I recognize they're pregnant, I just say congratulations. That's it. And I stop there. If they want to talk more about it with me, they can. But all I've ever said to people my whole life is, oh, congratulations. Yeah. So when I am like bombarded with the second people see I'm pregnant and I'm talking about full on strangers on the street, acquaintances, everybody, right? Uh It's always how
0: far along are you? Yes. Oh, how's it been? Have you gotten sick? Mm hmm. What are you having? What are you having? And uh, what's the name? What's the name? Yeah. These questions are very invasive. Yeah. Especially for people that don't
1: know you. And also because what are you really going to do with that information? Right. Like it doesn't really matter to you. You're just trying to fill that space of with conversation. But you don't have to. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Yes, I'm pregnant. You see the belly. We don't have to talk ad nauseum about it so that you can now have information that you're going to forget as soon as you walk away because we're
0: not going to see each other again. Right. But that I'm going to be giving out all day. All day. It's the first time you've asked me today, but it's the 25th time mm-hmm. I have answered this question. Yeah, yeah. And there was something else that you and I talked about. Uh and this this will be our last like little rant because I I have appreciated I've appreciated <laughs> uh being able to rant with someone, you know. While I am ultra thrilled to become a mother soon, um this thing where people are like, you know, motherhood is going to tell you exactly who you are as a person or, you know, you're going to yeah. find that motherhood's going to be your purpose in life and and something that i appreciated that you said to me is that like we are lucky enough to have kids like after we know like we know who we are you know it's like yeah i became pregnant after i i know i know who i am so you know this doesn't necessarily give me credibility or or importance as you were saying but it's like um being a little bit older makes it a little bit different i think i could be wrong
1: yeah no, I and I think that's so I think that's so true. And I think and I was telling you I was talking to um Joanna about this as mm-hmm. well. Um, of course, everyone knows from a previous podcast episode. Yes. Joanna Simpkin. Yes. Hey girl. Hey girl. Um, <laughs> but you know, we were kind of talking about like we're in our 30s, right? Yeah. So we're having kids. Um, and for us, we've had a big life before having children. Right. So like who yeah. I know myself to be as a woman is open to evolution, but it's pretty much it's pretty much like I filled out that full sheet about who I am, you know, for myself. I I really know, I know myself. I'm firm and strong in my identity. I know what I believe to be my purpose is. Um, So when I think of having this child, what I'm excited about and deeply honored by is that I have the opportunity, the sacred ability to lead a life to be trusted with this new soul Mm -hmm. that God wanted to come to earth and to help guide it. To me, that is why I've always wanted to be a parent Yeah, because I've amassed a certain amount of knowledge, life experience, kindness, and love Mm -hmm. that I get to share this with the tiny soul that's entrusted to me. Yeah, But I don't look, and this is just my view. And again, like every, everybody's thoughts on, who they are in the world and what parenting should look like, they're all going to be different. So this is just mine. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, you know, I don't think being a mother is my purpose. I think it's one of the facets of how I'm able to share my purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think, um, I think it's very dangerous, especially for women. And it's not our fault. Like we are, we are shaped to think that we have to be in a frenzy about infants and about pregnancy. we have to, you know, like, We as babies are given babies as toys. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like like as a two-year-old, I'm given a baby to take care of as a toy. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Men, if they're given any type of dolls, they're usually given trucks or, or right. sports paraphernalia. But if they're given a doll, it's like a my buddy. Right. It's the child of your same age that you're not the caretaker of. It's the homie. Right. But women, <laughs> right. we are given baby dolls. They're like, oh, is that your baby? Your baby? Is that your baby? Like, wow. It's, OK, like that's like that's a lot to unpack when you really think about oh, it. Man. Now, on one end, it makes us. Highly compassionate beings, and it does make us very nurturing beings, which we are. Right, you know, it kind of cultivates that in us, which is why a lot of times we're more emotionally mature than our male counterparts at different ages. Um, but also, that's a lot of pressure. Like, no, it's it. Having children is not my dream. I'm excited as hell, right, to have children, to have this child. I feel like it's a blessing and a gift. And I'm excited for the challenge of that. Um, But I don't think that that I think it's dangerous as women when we look at pregnancy or marriage or any type of family structure to complete who we are, because those are all variables that can change. Yes, I don't believe in putting my thoughts of my identity or my happiness wrapped up into things that have the ability to change. I have to find wholeness within myself first. And I think like to bring it back to kind of like what we were talking about and what, you know, I said Joanna and I were talking about, I think if you're in your 20s, especially if you're like in your early 20s and you're becoming a parent and it's a little bit different because you haven't yet fine tuned who you are in the world. And this is not a shot. This is just kind of an observation. Uh So I can understand why at that age. For for women at that age, it could feel like, oh my God, this is my purpose. I'm a mother. I found myself. Because that's an age where you don't fully know who you are yet because you haven't had enough life experience. So for you, that is a very, very defining moment that will hopefully eventually unlock all the other amazing facets of who you are as a woman. But I think when you're in your 30s and you've already become that, you look at it different. Like I'm not I'm not spazzed out about finding baby things, right? You know, like yeah. I'm not, I know. I'm not loving the pregnancy experience. I think it's a miracle. Like I'm Absolutely. a human 3d printer. Like I think it's a miracle and really cool. Um, that I have my body has the ability to do this but it's tough yeah. man like it's tough I'm sharing my body with another human
0: right now like I have I have a tenant like it's tough yes and the doctor like says you're tired you're swollen like <laughs> yeah the doctor's always like if you feel bad it's like don't like I used to think when I felt bad that the baby felt bad it's like he's fine like they are gonna get what <laughs> they need first and le- like, right. like you really should just be trying to take care of yourself because they're going to get what they need and you're just like Got it. That's what I think they were like. The prenatals are for you because they are t- <laughs> they're taking from you and then you need vitamins yourself. So I just I love that you you share that. And it's like, I swear, I just I have been trying to find the way to articulate it. But like, I feel like you just really packaged that up so beautifully for me. And so I know that we are at the end of our time, Debbie. So can you tell us where everywhere that we can find you um, online? Uh, social, all that good stuff. Yes. Okay.
1: First, I just want to tell you, mm-hmm. you are such a phenomenal woman, yeah. and I'm very grateful for you sharing your platform with me today. Thank you. Um, and I get so much out of our conversations, and we don't get a chance to like see each other often or talk that often. But when we do, yes, I feel like we are like diving into the depth <laughs> yes. of like the answers of the universe. Yes, yes, <laughs> we, we're
0: in the we are in the deep end. Like we don't go shallow. We're like let's go deep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like even when we I remember the day we first met when we after the after the amazing panel we did yes. with Nicole and with Tracy G, like you and I were both dog tired. Yes. And I think we had six a.m. flights the we next did. day. But we were like, yeah, let's talk. forget <laughs> it. Let's let's go to the bar. Yes. And we sat for like almost four hours yes. talking until they kicked us out. Yeah, yes. They're like turning <laughs> the lights off.
0: Girls go home. <laughs> yes.
1: But yeah, so I, I'm just deeply honored to to share this space space with you today. And I and I just want to like publicly salute you and um, just thank you for being who you are in the world and for sharing yourself with all of your followers and your fans and your friends. Thank you. Um, and you can also follow me, everybody to get back to the original yes. question of um, you can find me Debbie Brown. Um, that's Debbie with a V. I'm not saying Debbie. Yes. D E V I Brown. Um, that's every social like Facebook, Twitter, I G. Okay. Um, and check out my website, Debbie Brown.com and also karma
0: for my business. Awesome. And the new book, crystal bliss, get it. Yes. If you want to get into, get your crystal game up.
1: Yes. And you can find that at Barnes Noble, a lot of specialty bookstores,
0: and also on Amazon. It's hella cheap on Amazon and they deliver prime. Awesome. Thank you so much, Debbie. I can't I, I feel like the next time I see you, we're gonna both be mom. We're gonna both have our babies. I know. I know crazy we'll, yeah, we'll meet at Disney or something crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. All righty. <laughs> thank you, girl.